What's up, people? Welcome back to our podcast, Authentically Us. You know what it is. I'm the host, Conroy Smith, and I got my boy here, Antonio Morton. Yo, what's up? And today we have another, another, another guest. Um, this guest is amazing. You guys, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Everything that we love, coffee and and, and Jesus. And everything. If you've been following us this long, you know we've had some awesome, awesome guests. Um, and really just to talk about what it's like to be authentically you in every aspect of your life. So today we have Matt Ramsey as one of our guests and Tony, it was they're in for it. Oh, it it was fire. Um you'll you'll wanna hit uh rewind to rehear what Matt has, so be sure to take some notes. Um yeah, check out the books that are mentioned. It's a good one. So let's dive right in to Matt Ramsey. Let's get it. What is going on, everybody? Uh get ready to lean in. This is a great conversation. I have uh, my friend, uh, Matt Ramsey, he is not only my friend, but he's also the founder of Denim Coffee, where they teach you to make better coffee. Uh, and he's also my colleague with the CCO. What's going on, Matt? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So, yeah, today we're just going to dive in as we talk about coffee and atheism and uh talk about your story so why coffee love coffee i think um i think i've been just intrigued by the mystery of how one ingredient can taste like the whole culinary spectrum you know when i first got into coffee it was we were serving bad coffee at another coffee shop and you know and then i could go around to some other coffee shops every once in a while it'd be this amazing cup of coffee i'd say it's just coffee and water. It's two ingredients. So why, you know, how is it so different? Every cup is so different. And that mystery intrigues me. You know, it's like you can follow that. You can follow that hole all the way down for the rest of your life. And I have. So there's a, there's like a mystery and a beauty in the coffee. There's an aesthetic beauty to the coffee. Um, but also there's a justice piece to coffee that, you know, if you want to, mm. if you see something wrong inherently in the world and I do in coffee and you want to, work at it for the rest of your life you can do that too and both of those things the and, and the community piece the third space piece of bringing people together and obviously over coffee is always fun so the beauty the community and the justice piece uh those feel like a lifetime of work now you said you said about um the kind of the justice part i think about so i live in san diego right now and it's coffee on every corner tony yeah. came and visited um, a couple months ago and awesome i took them to coffee a different place every day and one of my friends actually owns a place here and they go down um to guatemala and there truly is justice in it because he's giving these um kids and and, and owners jobs um to find the beans or i don't know I don't, I don't know the the scientific things how coffee is made so um are there are there things that you guys are specifically doing like that you know um in terms of like where you get your your beans from like 
Um, have you have you actually been to these places that you're getting the beans? Great question. Yeah, yeah. I I've, I find it fascinating. Personally, I, I kind of laugh at it sometimes. I'm holding on to a vision of justice, even though I haven't been to coffee producing countries, mm. and um, and that's a that's a deep sorrow for me. But also, I'm intrigued by that. That you know, across the world, there are folks working hard, and these are the people that I want to work for. And I've met them. Uh, they've come to to this country but I haven't been to their country. And so um, it's my goal to travel as much as possible later when we can afford to do that as a business, when it makes sense to do that. Um, but yeah, right now we try to source our beans as ethically as possible. Uh, mm -hmm. We rely on uh, an importer to do a lot of that work for us, which is how most smaller coffee shops like us do. Um, but if you, if you scale up enough, you will have the ability to kind of cut out middlemen. And that's where you have the position where you can either make more money and make more profit, or you can give up power for the sake of others. That's where we're heading. So mm. uh, I, I don't want to greenwash it and tell you we're making the best, most just cup in the world. Well, that's what we are holding on to. And that's our, our guiding principle and our kind of a North star is we want to be make, uh, I mean, our, our tagline is make better coffee. And that, that in, certainly includes uh, the relationships in the coffee producing world. And we want to do something um like direct trade work directly mm -hmm. with farmers that kind of stuff wow well whenever you go to these places uh i will i will volunteer as tribute to come awesome. <laughs> tony <laughs> tony will come you know yeah to, to try coffee and to you absolutely. know absolutely we might record an episode down there you know <laughs> great let's bring as many people as possible that'd be so much fun now this is like a fun question um what is your favorite drink to make? Hmm. Do you mean for like, what, what do I like to drink at home? Or what do I like to make if I'm working the bar as a barista? Oh, that's good. Let's start with at home and then as a barista. Great. At home. I'm, I mean, I'm a simple man. I, I like black coffee. I'm always still intrigued by this, the flavors in black coffee mm -hmm. and the nuances there. And so I'm, you know, for me, it's just a, a black cup of coffee. I, I want to see what's in the cup. And, um, and so a good pour over something like that at home and then, uh, at the shops, I mean, it's fun to make, uh, cappuccinos. It's just, it's the coffee is still there. It's very coffee forward, but you do, you do the, uh, the art latte art makes people's day. There's a visual art to it. There's the aesthetic really beauty in the cup and the flavor. So, you know, people always have a smile if you give them a nice, pretty looking latte yeah. or a cappuccino. Tony, what's yours? What's yours favorite? Oh, I'm with Matt. I love a good uh, cup of black coffee, man. See, you guys are you guys are really coffee connoisseurs. Um, I I don't really like black. I don't really like black coffee. I like cold drinks, so I think that's probably why. Okay. Um, I do make my own own cold brew. I get like yeah. beans, use a toddy, and then do that. Um, great. What's your so steep that, time? Do you know? Do you know what your steep time is? So there's a guy at, at a church near me and he's like really into it. So I used to just do like 12 hours and he's like, okay. no, you got to do 26, 26. Yeah. He told me Ooh, 26. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. a long steep. Yeah. He told wow. me 26. And so I've been doing it and I think, I, I think I make good coffee. I don't know. Great. I think I make. Yeah. Um, so then this is another coffee question. And then I'm, I'm just so in, into coffee, but I haven't oh, yeah. always been, to be mm. honest. Yes. I never started drinking coffee until I moved to San Diego. Um, I would maybe drink like one a year in college yeah. at 
finals or if I needed to drive home like late at night. Like, okay. That was it. But now I actually started drinking coffee um, when I started working in fitness. And in fitness, I had to do like early morning times. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, there's no way. Like, we all can't be tired. Like, I'm the instructor. Like, I have to have the energy. Mm-hmm. So then I started with the sugary drinks at Starbucks, right? People would be like, oh, why are you drinking this? You're supposed to be a fitness instructor. They're right. They were right. But that's what worked for me. So then there's another there's another store. It's called Better Buzz here in San Diego. And I think that is the transition because I think Starbucks is like the beginner. Like it's just the gateway like, drug, the gateway drug. Yep. That's what it is. And yep. there's this other place called Better Buzz, which is a transition to like it's not it's not the best, but it's not Starbucks. It's like the, you're like, wow. There's other things. Yeah, it's better. Better Buzz is good. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it's be- it's better, right? Yeah. So then, then I just started exploring, and now I I, don't, I go to like local coffee shops and, and stuff. So like, awesome. how often do you get people like like um like me, or maybe you went through the same journey? Like, talk a little yeah, bit about that. What was your journey? Yeah, great, great. Well, you know, quickly, what kind of customers come in? I mean, we all kinds of customers. We like to meet customers where they are, and so you, you get folks that come in don't know how to say the word latte, you know. <laughs> And that's okay. <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to meet people wherever they're at. So if they want to say Lottie, you know, we'll, we'll meet them there and we'll work with them and uh, show them a good cup of coffee, you know? So, we, and then you get the regulars and people who are really coffee enthusiastic and they really want to talk to you about the coffee. And so there's a whole range of folks who come into the coffee shop and I, good coffee shops will meet customers where they are and, mm-hmm. and guide them into better coffee. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me, it was just the sugary. I mean, it wasn't even the. It wasn't even Starbucks. It was uh, the powdered cappuccinos from the, the the from the gas stations. You know, oh, those, those things are just uh, <laughs> sugar and, and a little bit of like instant coffee in hot water. I mean, that that's what I was drinking on the road when I was going to like first year of college. And um, but my first my first coffee shop experience really was uh, in high school. I went to a place called MJ's in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. This place is a one-room movie theater, which is awesome. So you go see a movie, and outside was a cafe and uh, live music and art and Whoa. some community, and it was you know near a college, Lebanon College, and uh, I would go there in high school and hang out with friends and listen to live music. And the music wasn't that great, and honestly, the coffee was you know it was it was better than what I had experienced at home, you know. But that that kind of culture, I was intrigued by of you know this. This, this can happen or community can happen. People come together for different things. I love that. Wow. Wow. It, I, it's honestly, now that I've been, cause I, I don't drink alcohol, which is another like social, it can be a social thing. Yeah. Coffee has been another way. Like when I first moved to San Diego, it was like, how do you meet people? Right. You yeah, know, right. I, I'd meet people at church, meet people at the gym, but then like, how do you take it a step further? Hey, let's go get coffee. And it was like, oh, wow, this is actually a thing. And like you said, there's oh, so yeah. many people. There's coffee connoisseurs. There's people who like the sugary drinks. Now there's people who like the teas. And mm-hmm. I recently mm-hmm. just got into matcha. I, I, I'm a whole new person, Matt. Wow. I, this wow. Is not, this is not my life. That's your, I, you're on a journey. You know, you are on a journey. I, I, you know, I'd love to see where you're at in five years. Yeah. <laughs> right. You'll be on another level. I, I actually, um, I grew up with Folgers in the house awful yep. that's what my mom drank couldn't stand coffee and then I came to Shippensburg met Matt 
and formerly known as Mosaic. That's right. Had a cup of his Ethiopian coffee black, drank it, and I changed everything. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Everything. Awesome. Can we can we just talk about Folgers real quick? You know what really got everybody was the jingle. Like Folgers in your cup. Like That's come right. on. Like that just stuck <laughs> in your head. Like Man, the, the marketing of coffee, you know, it, it's interesting to study the marketing of coffee over the past hundred years. You know, right. To see you got those jingles, you got that that kind of height of uh of capitalism and coffee and uh, coffee is a commodity but viewed as this luxury and um it's interesting how people it's so fast the changes in coffee yeah i mean it is espresso isn't wasn't on the scene 500 years ago it didn't exist wow. you know co- you know espresso is about 300 years old so espresso culture and the coffee shop is it's not that old and mm-hmm. it is evolving all the time it's still evolving all the time we have new equipment on the bar that we didn't have five years ago this yeah, is wow, just that's I mean, true try to think of another culinary um uh, you know product in the world that is so culturally relevant and known and has adapted so quickly in the past 10 20 30 years i mean it's just in a in a class of its own yeah i mean let's talk about your hairspring shop you guys use nitrogen from the air for your nitro cold brew that's That's just incredible that's right yeah 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 we have a it's called nitrogen generator and we used to have to go fill up tanks of nitrogen and bring them in and now we have a nitrogen generator on the bar and it's pulling that right out of the atmosphere to uh pump in and nitrogen is just a super useful tool to purge out oxygen so we use it for other things as well and uh it can help keep the coffee fresh if we're doing cold so yeah nitrogen from the air just pulling it right out of the atmosphere that is wild. This let's just, let's, yeah. just, let's, just, let's just think about that. A drink that you were pulling from the atmosphere. And I actually like nitro cold brew. So it's like, yeah, that is that is so awesome. And, and I love how you kind of talked. You keep alluding to it about the, the culture of coffee, because it does allow you to be authentically you in, in every aspect. And that's obviously the name of our podcast. Um, there's our little drop there um nice nice (laughs) and and honestly that's what coffee is like a lot like you said you meet people where they're at whether they are they don't know how to say the things i remember when i first went to starbucks and people will tell me hey can you get this order for me and i'm looking at the i'm looking at the uh the menu and i'm like Mm. it's not there yeah what are you what are you even saying but people really do meet you where you're at and it's a place where you can be exactly who you were created to be authentically you and I, and I love that and I love that you're creating a culture in your in your shops um about that and are you intentionally trying to create culture in each shop like a, a, a denim brand or are you intentionally trying to just allow the culture to 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 come through with wherever it is because some of the places you mentioned in uh, Pennsylvania are very different yes Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we, we try to make the shops spaces that anybody can be at. So there is intentionality in our policies. Uh, here's, you know, just a small example is in our dress code, we ask baristas not to wear messaging or branding or logos or, or whatnot. And there are shops that go the other side on that. And they'll say, you know, express your voice and be loud about whatever you want to be. So you can come down on, on one side or the other. What I've, what I've found is people don't feel comfortable 
you know, if there's a loud message from the barista, you feel like, oh, this is a liberal coffee shop. So if I'm conservative, I can't be here. Or if it's Black Rifle Coffee or something, if it's conservative based, then the liberals don't belong, right? Um, I don't like that. I, coffee ought to be this third space, neutral ground, I think, kind of Switzerland. Um, so even though I tend to go pretty liberal myself uh, politically, you know, I, I want everyone to feel welcome at the coffee shops. And that's why also, hey, I'm, I've been a campus minister for 14 years, but I've seen Christian coffee shops where people who aren't Christian don't feel welcome to come. And you know, you know what these shops are like. They got Jesus fish on everything and they got some Christian pun in their coffee name, their coffee shop name, and they've got Christian music playing. And then if you're, you know, if you're not Christian, you feel like, oh, this isn't a space for me. Right. I don't like that. So, you know, even though I'm a, a campus minister, I follow Jesus. I don't want our coffee shops to, to proclaim this message that if you're not a Christian, you don't belong here. Uh, where's the ministry of hospitality in that? Right. So, so uh, you know, good. so the intentionality in our shops is a, a ministry of hospitality, but that's it really in practicality, it doesn't look that different from doing business. Well, mm, honestly, mm, you know, mm, to yeah. be a good Christian coffee shop owner ought to look like excellent customer service. And we're just trying our best to do that. And honestly, you know, we're still finding, we're figuring that puzzle out, you know, we're still learning. So I'm learning all the time and our, our staff are amazing. But running a Christian coffee shop ought to look like running an excellent coffee shop and doing it well. And that's, that's our philosophy. That's the intentionality of what we yeah. bring. That's so good. So mm-hmm. you alluded to your faith. Uh, talk to us about your journey. Uh, where were you before uh, Christianity? Wow. It's been a long road now. I mean, every, every, uh, every year this story gets a little bit longer. but. Um, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, I was super philosophical uh, and I was mm. an atheist agnostic. I wasn't Christian. Uh, I had rubbed up against enough Christians because, you know, when I was growing up, everyone was, it felt like everyone was Christian, even though everyone wasn't necessarily. So that was predominant culture, it felt like. And I, it didn't strike me right. It didn't feel right to me that there's, you look around the world, you see all this evil and you say, well, there must be. People say that well, there has to be a God. Look at the beauty of creation. I say, well, look at how evil the world is. <laughs> you know, look how messed up everything is. You think there's a God that can fix stuff? Um, and I remember that really came to a head. I Some girl invited me to a church and I thought she was interested in me. It's, all, it's always the girls. It's always women. <laughs> That'll get you there. <laughs> well, hey, thank God for them, you know? Um, so this girl, I thought she was interested in me. You know, I thought we, you know, I thought she was inviting me to hang out with me. She was inviting me because of this thing called evangelism I hadn't heard about before. So I show up to this church. Yeah. And there's food and games and, and uh, someone there gives it like a 10, 15 minute message. And she says, "Uh, I lost my car keys and uh, I couldn't find them for 30 minutes. I was super frustrated. And then I prayed and then I found them the next minute. And I thought, what a stupid belief to have. You know, that, you know, like you, you missed your car keys for 30 minutes and now you pray and now you found them. Uh, Good for you. If that works, then why aren't you praying for super seriously important things, you know? And if God can, can act on your prayers and fix your car key problem, then why are we still seeing kids starving? Right? Like, why Mm. does that exist? If God can intervene in the world, then why isn't he when it comes to starving kids? and mm. abuse and you name the name the evil right name the thing right and i thought this is so it's such a stupid thing to believe in <laughs> you know 
so I was so riled up. And, and at that point, I had already been seeking meaning philosophy i was reading stuff on the bus all the time that i picked up from yard sales and you know uh i had studied wicca and and i had studied uh buddhism and i really liked buddhism i had read uh marcus aurelius the meditations and i really liked stoicism and and uh so i got really upset about this and i said i i need to it's time i need to prove the bible wrong mm. <laughs> you know mm. i've been around this for long enough it pisses me off it's time to just you know, put this down once and for all. And so I thought it'd take me a month. I spent three years trying to disprove the Bible and I couldn't do it. Wow. I just couldn't do it. You know, it, it, it held water I, every turn and I was biased and I knew I was biased. <laughs> yeah. I came in, you know, trying to prove the Bible wrong. And I, I read Bart Ehrman and I had the, you know, the best scholarship, critical scholarship that I could find. And I took online courses and, you know, I spent serious study wow. time on this. I mean, every day, bus to school, bus home every day, you know, I'd spend hours trying to disprove the scriptures. And then I'd go into Bible studies and these poor kids, you know, <laughs> these poor kids, they're just trying to be, you know, Christian kids at a Bible study. And I'd come in and just blow it up, you know, just arrogant and foolish. And they, they, but they put up with me and they cared for me, you know, wow. they loved me and, and, and the, in a way that was not transactional, which is what mm, I had been used to yeah, a lot of my life. Yeah. Right? And so the witness of Bible-believing Christians and their love uh, and the, the, the authenticity of Scripture was convincing for me. Mm. You, you, you mentioned something that I think, you know, even, you know, the crazy things that are happening, the crazy thing that's ha that has happened, we are in the end of May right now, the crazy things that have happened just in these past 10 days, right? Yeah, Even with, yeah. the, with what's happening in, in the Texas, the Texas shooting. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned about how, you know, this girl prayed for her, her keys and, and, and they found it. And then you, you question like, that's silly because there are people starving there. There are shootings happening. So yeah. did, how have you come to grips with, with those big questions? Cause I think it is important for everybody to, to question God yeah. and not just get told, like, you need to go on your journey. So what, mm -hmm. how do you, how, how do you sit in and comprehend those questions now? Yeah. Great. Great. I mean, we're dealing with the problem of evil and it's a problem. It's not a problem just for Christians, it's a problem for everybody. How do you deal? How do you face what's wrong in the world? You know? And it, it honestly is one of my favorite questions to ask college students. So I've been on campus for 14 years at Shippensburg University. I will stand on the quad for hours on a day with a sign that just says, what's wrong with the world, right? And people walk by and most people don't engage it. Some people make fun of it, say something silly, you know, but, you know, every once in a while, someone will come up and they say, you know, what's wrong with the world? Black education, or, you know, what's wrong with the world? Racism, or, you know, what's wrong with the world? And, and they fill in the blank, right? What's interesting is that over 14 years asking this question, not one student has ever come up to me and said, what a silly question. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's come up to me and said, nothing's wrong in the world. What else would you expect? Right. But if you are a material, you know, a material universalist or just say that, uh, that all that exists in the universe is material, right? We're just, there is no uh, afterlife. There is no God or deity, the creation is all there is it's just matter right and we're just matter and we just die like dogs at the end and that's it for us right if that's the case and you say all that's ever been has been uh might makes right 
right? Uh, evolution is, uh, uh, Darwinian evolution is, is the strong survive, right? If that's the case, then what else would you possibly expect in the world besides some chaos and the might makes right mentality and dog eat yeah. dog and the strong eat the weak? And, uh, and, and that's what, what else would you possibly expect mm -hmm. if this is all there ever was and all there ever will be is nature and us and, and that's our history. And what else would you expect? Why would you say anything's wrong with the world in that situation? But we don't do that. Even if you, if you, even if you just subscribe to that belief, logically, inherently, we feel differently about mm. the things we see in the world. We yeah. know inherently, of course, school shootings are wrong, but we know inherently that so much more is wrong with the world. Mm -hmm. It is a gut reaction. It's an instinctual reaction. So yeah. the fact that there's so much wrong with the world, when I was coming at it, I was saying, how could a good and just God allow these things to happen? Of course. Mm -hmm. But also on the flip side of that, and I understand why people say that, and I don't, I don't judge them or, be, or begrudge them, yeah. right? Because evil yeah. is evil and it, it is hard to come, right? But, but what I see on the other side of that also, the other side of that coin is the fact that we feel so, so um, intrinsically uh, uh, offended by injustice wow. tells me that there must be such a thing as justice. And this is C.S. Lewis, yeah. right? This is mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. He says, you know, if I find myself longing for a world <laughs> that I don't live in, it can only mean one thing, right? That I, that I was made for another world. Yeah. That, that's Lewis saying, mm. what, do you, what do you long for justice? Well, look around. Do you see it? Mm. That's Lewis saying, what do you, what do you, you long for righteousness and you, you wish things were right? Yeah. Where does that wish come from? Where does that desire come from? We yeah. all have it and hold on to it. We all know that there are wrong things in the world. To me, that says there must be something right that was intended and built into us and placed into us. And in our hopes and dreams and longings, Martin Luther King Jr. is correct. The, the, the arc of the universe is bent towards justice, right? Yeah. So that resonates in us somewhere. Mm. That's, that's really good yeah because it, um, it is it is a innate question that i think everybody has deep down inside you know you know about why do these why do these bad things happen why do why do, why does this why would a just god a loving yeah. god and that was good i think you uh and and i love that you've gone through the journey you know because it truly is a journey christianity is truly a journey yeah um yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I think like especially for you and I, Conroy, like these past two years, uh, you know, really navigating the racial tensions, like we we both have said, like, when is this going to stop? Mm -hmm. You know, like when are we going to get to a place where there's no more hashtags? Mm. Uh, like no more condolences let's take a moment of silence exactly like it and it's you know has me you know just like lord come back <laughs> i'm ready mm -hmm. for all of this to be made right yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and, and the beauty of the gospel one of the beauties of the gospel is is the gospel promises aren't just that things are going to get better um so sometimes I look around and I say, oh, our hopes are really small. <laughs> like we, ju we just wish that police would stop shooting black kids. You know, 
like that's a hope that we have and that feels like something we could fix <laughs> you know so you say why haven't we why haven't we done this yet like we should yeah. be able to do this mm, right yeah. we should be at least to have this right but the gospel promise isn't that well police are going to be better in the coming kingdom <laughs> you know the gospel promises that we won't die the gospel promises are far they far exceed what we are trying to build or mm. the, the evils that we're trying to mitigate in this current broken world as and so uh, you know I, I, I we should still of course we should still work for them and, and and not just wait on our hands you know but the promises are so much bigger than that that it sometimes it's easy to just say well i just wish the police reform was better and, and even beyond that you know king painted a picture that was even bigger you know like king mm. painted a picture of kingdom like he was inspired by the coming kingdom that picture is greater and bigger and so you know in some level there are hopes that that we get to if you're a person of faith you get to hold on to a bigger hope yeah uh, than some than than i was able to do as an atheist mm. yeah to to bring up another c.s lewis quote we're we're just far too easily pleased. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. You know the 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 you know the Bible talks about bringing heaven on earth, and I, and I I love that quote you said about C.S. Lewis about essentially how we are we get so frustrated because we realize that these things are wrong, but like we're as believers, we are created and designed to long for heaven, right? but we want to bring heaven to earth. So you still want to see these changes. We still want to see justice. Yeah. And that's so true. Cause I worry, I think about that all the time. Um, how, I don't know how people who don't know Jesus manage in this world, especially yeah. after going through a pandemic, going through racial inequalities, going through yeah. um, a school shooting, like yeah. wh- where does your hope lie in? Yeah. If there's not, hope yeah yeah so my so what would you say to people who who may have who may be like in your like in the situation you were like when when you were an atheist there there's no there's nothing to hold true to like how how would you like where would you point them yeah great great i mean i <laughs> i've been doing this for a long time i mean this has basically been my ministry for 14 years is, is talking with atheist agnostics and buddhists and you know folks outside of the christian faith because that those are the people those are my people you know yeah. those are like they've got my heart and i sometimes i feel more at home with with atheists and agnostics than i do in a church mm. so these are the people that, that i like to spend time with um but the, the the hard reality is we all worship something we all put our hope into something and so you know, if we say, well, these are folks who don't have any hope, well, that's not really the case. You know, we, we all have hopes and dreams. So that's natural. That's mm-hmm. human, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it just, you know, we, we tend to think that that hope can be misplaced, right? So part of my job would be to break down false hopes. <laughs> part of my job would be to call out and say, is that really something that you want to, you want to put your load bearing weight of your faith into? You mm. know, is that really a branch you want to walk all the way out on and really trust for the rest of your life? Right. You know, and so what are the hopes of what are the hopes of the world outside the church uh, education? Right. We can we can if we just informed people well enough, we could fix things. Right. And, I, you know, part that's partly true. Education can fix a lot of problems. So, hey, we should invest in education, but it doesn't solve all the problems, does it? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, or, or 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 it's just economic. Right. The crime goes up where there's poverty. 
okay, yeah, yeah, we need to fix, we need to fix economic injustices in the world, but that's not going to, that doesn't get us to shalom. We can't, we, yes. we can't finance yes. shalom, can we? Right. Yes. Right. So, you know, all the hopes, you know, end war, uh, technology will save us, you know, and I, it, it gets a little far-fetched, but I hear people say, well, someday we'll just live forever because technology will, will stop death itself. And I say, look, look, these are not the hopes that you can put your faith into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Education isn't going to fix the broken hearts of humanity, mm. right? You know, we cannot finance a soul <laughs> to be <laughs> to become more human necessarily, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. all of these hopes and dreams, part of the work of of my ministry has been to try to break those down mm. uh, and to and to help people realize these are not hopes worth investing in fully, right? Not to that degree that our ultimate hope has to be something else besides that. Wow. Uh, that's not easy to tell someone that, yeah, I mean, we, we inherently disagree, mm-hmm. right? We, we disagree about what to place our hopes into. I've only, I've only other, I've only met one other uh, atheist in my life. Um, I played football with him in high school and he was our kicker. And I have this theory. No, maybe two, maybe, maybe two or three. I don't know. My oh, theory is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, um, my theory is that people who are really, really, really intelligent, because he was like really smart. Both of the guys that I knew, um, they both were on my football team. Very, very smart. Very intelligent. They they were agnostic or atheist because they had questions, and I guess things couldn't be proven. I don't know where they're at now in their in their life. This was a little over 10 years ago um so it's like do you think some of the i mean it sounds like some of the reasons like you had some of the similar reasons it's like this i can't i can't physically prove this so i've dealt with this so i've dealt with this long enough let me try to prove this wrong do you think that was because of your maybe your intelligence or your curiosity um well i was angry like i said i was angry at the church and so you know, for folks who are atheists and agnostic, it, you, you can say, well, the material is tough to believe because it's miracles, <laughs> you know, like, like you could, you go back through the history and say, oh, are these are, are these historically reliable documents or not? Well, it, it's a tough burden to put on scripture because we're, we're asking people to say, can you trust that 500 witnesses saw resurrected Christ? You know, can, can you put your faith in that? Uh, that's a big ask. All right, let's yeah. not. Let's not, yeah. let's not try to hide the fact that we're asking people to believe in something that sounds pretty ludicrous. Like when I was, yep. when I was first coming, that sound pretty ludicrous and a little crazy. And just on the content alone, that's a big ask. That's a tall order. Now throw into the mix, we've got white nationalism mixing in with, you know, churches at times. And, and we've got weird policies coming out of Christian faith that doesn't really line up with the scriptures and the people mm-hmm. you meet and the, the witness that they bear isn't always the loving one that I received, Right. Uh, I don't, I don't blame people if they don't believe, <laughs> you know, I just don't, you know, like I, I get it. Yeah. I would, I, I have, I have struggles in the church myself. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame folks, but, um, but I, I would say I was very grateful at some point in three years, I think my bitterness towards Christians and my animosity towards them and to God and the gospel uh, I think at some point I recognized I was even being so biased that I had to question that bias itself. 
Wow. Right? So if you're going to wow. be skeptical, wow. right, then let's be truly skeptical. And I'm still skeptic at heart. You can tell me a miracle happened. I'll be like, I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah. You say, <laughs> oh, I heard a word from the Lord. And I'll be like, well, I don't, it doesn't matter to me because I can't, I can't verify it. Right. So I, I think I had, God had given me some kind of grace to be able to, to question my own bias towards scriptures and say, Hey, it's been three years. You haven't been able to prove this stuff wrong. Maybe you're being so biased that you can't see what's right in front of you. Right. And, uh, if that took me three years and, and hours every day, and, and I had the time to do it back then with time that I don't have right now, right. Then I don't judge anyone for not believing, you know, cause it, that was a lot that was a chunk of time. That was a chunk of time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so where do you find yourself now spiritually? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah. We're on a journey, right. You know, we're yeah. all like the coffee journey. We're all on a spiritual journey, you know? <laughs> um, I, I find myself uh, a follower of Christ uh, clinging to Jesus and, and um, I, I love Jesus. You know, I, I really struggle with the church and, and year after year, it, it feels more and more difficult to be with the church in the United States, you know, mm-hmm. for, for 50 different reasons. And, and, Politically, I'm completely at odds with most of the churches in central Pennsylvania, <laughs> which is super Republican. And it's just assumed that if you're a Christian in, in, in a church around here, that you're probably Republican. And I'm just not, I'm just not. So, um, so I found it very, very difficult to be with the church um, in ways that I used to be able to be, where it, it just felt less polarizing. Um, and so I think that's affecting me spiritually. We need the church. You know, yeah. we desperately need community. Yeah. We need communities of faith. We were not meant to go solo, you know, on this journey. And so uh, I have struggled personally, you know, spiritually in this place. Um, but uh, the CCO has been an amazing community. I mean, folks like Tony and the other folks I work with, um, it's so refreshing to be around the CCO folks. I mean, they're just, they get it. They're uh, yeah. some of the most beautiful people that I know. Um, and so the CCO has been very dear and precious to me and I'm actually leaving at the end of this month. And so it's very, very difficult for me to walk away from a community that I love so, so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there's still folks in this area that, that I can connect with. So I'm yeah. clinging to Christ and, uh, having struggles with the church. Tony, and I would agree that Tony is a beautiful human. Um, yes, but you know, actually, as you were, you were talking about that, I was thinking about, so I, I work at a church. I'm a worship director at a church here in San Diego. Nice. Um, and we had a, we had a staff meeting. So I'm part of like a larger network, I guess. And the lead pastor was talking about, there's a book from Andy Stanley called not in it to win it. Now I haven't read it yet. He, he wants us all to read it. All right. One thing he said, it's about, um, I guess it's about the church and in, in, in politics and how, you know, the American culture wants us to, wants the church to choose. And he was like, you know, you get some churches who are far left, far right. You get churches who just kind of stay in the middle. And then what, what he's saying in this book that Andy Stanley is saying is that we do choose and our choice is Jesus. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think about <clears throat> churches here, churches in America that they're, they're, it, it's, it's tough. Because at the end of the day, we are humans, but I, I do find that there is beauty in the church. Um, and 
um, I want to encourage encourage you encourage you, Matt, and everybody listening that the church is a beautiful place, and the church needs you now. What denomination, denomination, or congregation, or local church body it is that's that's dependent on you and, and God. But the church does need need a Matt. The church does need a Tony. The church needs a Conroy mm-hmm. um, to bring these things up, to to talk about these things, to to be able to interact with people. There's people Matt that you can talk to because of your experience that Tony and I could never get through to or or vice versa and these are the same types of people we need in the church in the church body and i and i and i do think um big c church in america gets a bad rep for for valid reasons but there there is there are glimpses you know there are glimpses of of hope of joy of peace and um, comfort. So I pray that you, you find your, your church home and your church community that makes you feel valued, you know, and, and, and wanted and, and all those things. So that's my, that's my, yeah. prayer. And yes. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. You know, we, we need that. We need each other. And I, and I believe we need, we need both sides of arguments, a lot of places in church, yeah. you, know, you know, Paul preaches unity above all things. And, and don't you feel that tension in church where it's like, oh, we're supposed to be with the, the people that we disagree with. We're supposed to pray for those who yeah. persecute. We're supposed to, you know, so there's this there's this unity that Paul preaches about, that Jesus teaches, that transcends politics, it transcends race, it transcends background, it transcends socioeconomics. It, 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 it just transcends, right, this unity. And then on the other hand, uh, in, in our examples of heroes of faith, uh, you know, my friend Johnny Rashid just came out with a book. Uh, we went to high school together. He's a pastor in Philly. He just came out with a book that says Jesus takes a side, and he's adamant. He's like, no, you know, like Jesus, Jesus sides with the widow and the orphan, right? Mm-hmm, and yes. if there are policies in place in the United States that don't side with widows and orphans and don't stand with the oppressed, then we need to go after those things, yes. right? And we 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 laud William Wilberforce, and we don't say, well, we wish Wilbur would have been a little more. <laughs> you know, we wish he would have uh, been a little more congenial and less spirited and just kind of, no, we, we like the fact that William Wilberforce spent his whole life working towards uh, issues of oppression and slavery in politics because of his face. Yes. And we want to yes. say, you know, to stand with other people on that one. Uh, or, or Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, it's super politically active. Uh, I would consider him to be a modern day kind of prophet. And so don't you feel the tension of, Oh, Paul's calling us to unity. And then on the other hand, King, you know, stood on principle and was against the mm-hmm. Vietnam War. And I would say, yes, we, sh- we, we ought to be, I, I, I feel that tension. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and I think too often we as Christians don't like the tension, but the gospel calls us to live in that tension and yeah. be a people of a third way. Yeah, I did want to say um, before we move into our next segment, uh, I I saw a glimpse this past weekend. I was back in Pennsylvania, and I went to a track meet, right? And I and I and everybody talks about the Gen Zers and how they're they're this or that. The same way they talked about us millennials too, right? And I was at a track meet, and if you're familiar with Central Pennsylvania, there's like certain rivalries 
I mean, any, any state, right? There's certain rivalries that just, you're just a rival to that school forever. But it was cool to see these kids competing. You know, they've been through a lot. These are high school kids who went through a pandemic, still going through a pandemic, graduating through a pandemic. And you see them competing um, in a track meet and they're like rooting for each other. They're talking to each other. You see this type of unity that when I was in high school, wasn't like that. And it's like, maybe one of the reasons COVID happened was yes, there was a lot of division, but now I think some of these, these Gen Zers are bringing unity and I've, I've never seen it before in my life. I'm like, Shippensburg and Chimpersburg, they're, they're hanging out. They're talking to each other. Like what? Yeah. Right. Wow. Like what? It's yeah. like these things that never mm-hmm. happened. So I, I do think there is hope. And I, and I think, COVID honestly had a lot to play with it. Like you think you see, we see a lot of the, um, the split that happened, racial yeah. tension, but now I'm seeing like these younger kids are like, no, let's, let's unite. Let's, let's, let's not do those things. And, it, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh yeah. That's uh, you know, what, what are some of the positives that come out of the evils of the world? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know th- that probably doesn't happen without, without the pandemic. You know, it doesn't justify all the evils in the world when we see some of the silver linings. They're just linings, right? The evils are still mm. evil. Yeah. But, but I'm, I am convinced. I mean, the promises of Paul are this, uh, you know, the, the beauty that's coming, right? The glory that is coming does not even compare, or the, the present evils do not even compare with the, the glories that are coming, right? Now, there's a lot of evil in the world. <laughs> you look around and say, shoot, there's a lot of evil in the world, right? It can be overwhelming, the fact that it overwhelms you right now, those, those overwhelming feelings, they don't even compare to what's coming. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are the promises that Paul says. Is, is you, it, you, It's not going to balance out in the end. It's not like the scales of justice are balanced in the end. It's like, no, the present evils aren't even worth comparing to what's coming. Mm. Right? Mm. Uh, if you can spend the rest of your life studying present evils and feel the weight of that, no, that's not a drop in the bucket. To what's wow. coming on the glory side right yeah so yeah. and and not just in spite of evil but somehow through it and because of it and um and with it right it's that the evils are somehow swallowed up in victory or mm. that's paul language again right that's that, that we, it, it, that the pandemic is going to become part of the celebration of the coming kingdom somehow right mm. uh th- that's going to happen with all the evils of the world and on the other yeah. side of this there's going to be something like kids at Chambersburg and Shippensburg getting together um, and uh, rooting for each other in a way that they're just grateful to be back on the track field together. Right. Yeah. There's yeah, going to be yeah. something like that escalated to times 1000 in the kingdom because of not just in spite of, but because of the evils that we've gone through on this side of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's transition to rapid fire. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, okay. Rapid fire, rapid I thought fire. you were yes. gonna say just rap, and I was like, <laughs> I don't have any bars, so I'm gonna let you guys. <laughs> All right, but rapid right. fire. Rapid yes. fire. So the first oh. things that come to mind when these questions are asked. Uh oh, this is dangerous. Can we edit these? Uh, no. Okay. This is, this is like beyond psychological no, yeah. test here. Authentic. All right. Okay. Um, what was the last book you've read? Um, oh God, I'm still in it. Um, this is a book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses 
Look at this thing. It is, uh, you know, it's like uh, three inches thick. Um, the Gospels as Eyewitness Testimony by Richard Balkum. Uh, I'm still right in the middle of this thing, but and it's it's dense, but it's very good um, for someone like me that that is going back through some mm. thick stuff like this um, from when I was becoming a Christian and looking at some of the newer stuff that's coming out. It's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. that's way too thick for me. Good. Yeah, it, it might do me in here. <laughs> do you guys read anymore? I do Audible. Yeah, Audible. A lot of right audio books. Yeah, right. If yeah. I read, a small book would take me probably as long as it's taking you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to hear if someone tells me that they are reading a book. That I'm like, oh yeah, you know, someone's still actually reading these things with the pages. It's great. <laughs> yeah, love it. All right, next question. Um, this is a deep one, very deep. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Okay, easy, <laughs> easy. Do you Love have dogs. any? No, I don't have any pets. Okay. Uh, my wife's allergic to cats, and uh, I despise them anyhow. You know, they're part. Of, what's wrong well, with the world? Cats are part of what's wrong yes. with the world. Yeah. Yes. They're terrible. They're just awful. <laughs> yeah it's dogs for sure they love seeing you you know you come yes. home they're like they're so excited a cat's like what are you doing here you know? <laughs> like why are you in my house yeah right i don't need that yeah uh when was the last time you cried oh it's actually been a while thank god you know because there's been moments where i've shed some tears in life and and i'm you know just I'm actually pretty grateful just thinking about that for a second that, Hey, it has been a little bit, you know, uh, it's not just been a ton of tragedy lately in my personal life, very close people to me, but, but I, I have found, you know, the older that, that I get, and I'm not super old, you know, Hey, if you're just listening to this on the podcast, I'm not like, I'm not like super, super old, but I've lived a bit, you know, the, the older I get the, uh, in, in my walk with Christ, yeah, just the easier it is to, to empathize with people and to, to shed some tears. Right. So um, I found that to be over the past few years, I've been a little more weepy than I was when I was younger, yeah. um, but it's been a minute. So I'm glad for that. I can't remember the last time I've cried. Okay. Awesome. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> um, well, hey, Matt, it's been awesome to have you on this uh, podcast. Let the people know where they can find you and support you. Great. So we're working on coffee stuff, uh, denimcoffeecompany.com. You can come check us out and, and grab coffee there and try it. Uh, we'll send it right to your doorstep and roast it fresh. And then uh, I work for currently for the next oh, five days, the <laughs> CCO, Coalition for Christian Outreach, along with Tony and a bunch of other beautiful people. It's a wonderful ministry. You can support that ministry. You can check them out, see if they can be involved in a college campus near you. And um I don't have any personal page. I'm not like a Matt Ramsey.com type of thing. Just, you know, I'm working behind the scenes. I'm working behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, Matt, thank you so much for, for joining us people. You guys, you guys have, if you say what they're this long, you got a lot of good gems. We're so thankful for you. (laughs) Thank you for being authentically you. And until next time. Yo, Roy, that that was such a good episode, man. Uh, you know, I I've known Matt for years now, and 
I I love hearing him talk about his his deep love for coffee in in the justice aspect like that that never gets old. Yeah. It it was cool how he correlated like the the coffee journey with his his journey with with Jesus and how they're very very ex- ex- similar. Um he he was great. And then to learn all this all this stuff about coffee, like I'm so intrigued. I'm, I feel like I'm still a a young bull when it comes to to coffee. So just to get a little bit of free game and um y'all if you haven't been to his coffee shops are they all called denim yeah so denim coffee you know in south central pennsylvania like check it out like you don't you don't want to miss out on on good coffee nobody wants bad coffee no no sounds like a bad day (laughs) (laughs) it is a bad day but it's only a bad day bad day to those that know it's bad coffee Ooh. You heard it here first. That was free. <laughs> but no, he, I, I love, you know, him being um, a former atheist, just kind of talking through his journey because I, I think the Christian walk is a journey. One thing that stuck out to me the most, and I don't think we touched on it enough, was that what, yes, he went through a three year journey trying to disprove the Bible. But I think what really won him to Jesus was the relationships he built throughout that journey. He was going to Bible clubs, trying to disprove them, and they just loved him anyway. Yeah. And and that I think that is the difference with Christianity. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with one with, with Jesus, but it's also a relationship with others and meeting them exactly where they're at and loving them anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what won me over you know like um end of my high school career i wanted nothing to do with god but i met i met people like you and uh blake and tyler and y'all love me to the point where y'all were annoying um and i'm thankful for that and i think so often in the church we discount how evangelistic relationships are. Yeah. It's it's truly it's truly everything. And that's what I love about Christianity. I, I've never been one about fire and brimstone, which that works for some people maybe. But I'm more about consistency and then loving people. And and I love how Matt, you know, correlated all that in into his coffee. It's like Yeah. I'm about to go back and listen to this one for sure. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um. Well, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. Y'all have been with us for a minute now. But hey, if you like this, if you like our podcast, if you like the way Tony's voice sounds, because I like the way Tony's voice sounds, yeah, um, follow us on your favorite podcast app. Also, give us a rating and a review. Five-star reviews only, please. Um, t- check the show notes for all the books, websites, uh, organizations, coffee shops that were mentioned. Um, yeah, and we, we're so thankful for you guys, truly, um, all of our listeners. So go buy you a bag of coffee. Get some co- good coffee. Yeah, good coffee, not Folgers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, until next time, be authentic in everything you do. We'll see y'all soon.
Peace. Holla.